Welcome to Gatekeeper, a podcast about booking from the bookers and gatekeepers who decide who's in, who's out. Also, there's other stuff. And now your host of Gatekeeper, artistic director of the Hollywood Improv, Jamie Clam. Sorry about that, Andrew. I um, was just doing my daily meditation practice with uh, those Buddhist sounds because Buddhism is one of the major uh, proponents of meditation. That's right, proponents. That's something that I uh, self-realized in this very session of meditating that I was doing just now. Okay, just give me one second now. I'm just going to slip out of my Buddhist robe and put on this old clanky suit of armor that I always record my episode intros in. Ah, now I feel like I'm more ready to go for this podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Medieval times were a very clanky time. I am excited about this episode. Welcome to Gatekeeper. I'm Jamie Flam, your host. Uh, it's funny that you should walk in on me meditating pre-show, Andrew, because that's kind of thematically where this episode goes the conversations talking to two of my favorite people ed krasnick and laura house both of them people have been doing comedy for a long time as performers as writers as producers stand-ups and both of them have really awesome perspectives and experience in the worlds of personal development self-help for lack of a better term and meditation the things that we could do to better ourselves and meditation is certainly one of those things uh, meditations for me personally something I've struggled with for a long time. I, I read all the books. I've tried all the apps. And, I, and by the way, have you noticed there's, there's an app for just about anything these days, right? <laughs> Hell, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an app for, a, for a intros to podcasts to make them better. Uh, should probably be using it right now, right? <laughs> I'm downloading it right now, Jamie. Well, that verifies that this intro has been as bad as my brain has been telling me which is all the more reason why meditation is important to tame the babbling mind. And I think if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know that my mind, it likes to babble. So I've always been fascinated with meditation. And if you've listened in the past, you know, self-help and all these things and, and, and personal development, you know, I want to grow as a human. God knows I have plenty of things I need to work on and get better at. And what I love about Laura and Ed is that they have an approach to these things that is a little bit more practical, it's more realistic, it's it's more accessible. And if meditation and all this stuff is not your thing, do not worry. The first third of the conversation we have uh, is just about their careers and the gatekeepers and all that shit that you like to, to listen about. But I have a funny feeling you're going to enjoy the meditation and self-help talk as well. So stay tuned. Uh, in the meantime... I see a little, little old friend creeping through the door. Look who it is! It's a, it's a, it's Adbot. What's up, Adbot? 
Hey, Jamie, it's good to be back. It's been a few episodes, but believe it or not, you actually got another sponsor. Well, that's cool. Who's who's the new sponsor? Who wants to get on the gatekeeper bandwagon? They're called Casper, and basically, I, I guess you'd say they make sleep products, so pillows and sheets and mattresses and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I personally love that stuff, Adba, but it can be so cost prohibitive. I mean... Some mattresses, for example, can cost well over $1,500. Who has that? Worry no more, Jamie. Casper actually has mattresses that can cost $500 for a twin size um, or 600 for a twin XL. Wow, that's hella reasonable. And I'm not even done yet. $750 for a full or $850 for a queen or $950 for a king. You know, compared to all the other crazy mattress prices, that's certainly a great bargain, huh, Adbot? Yeah. And guess what now? Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and free returns with a 100-night home trial. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything because Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. It says here that Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. You were also invented in 2015, and you didn't get any mention in Time Magazine. What's your problem? Because I'm just made, you know, of circuits and microchips and whatever, but I'm not made of the springy latex and supportive memory foams that create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. That's a good point. I always did wish you had more bounce. Adbot. Speaking of bouncing, Jamie, I gotta bounce. But before I do, I just wanted to make sure that you and your listeners were aware that you can get fifty dollars towards any mattress purchased by visiting www.casper.com backslash gatekeeper and using the code gatekeeper. So you're saying that they should visit www.casper.com backslash gatekeeper and use the code gatekeeper. Um one last question. Do any terms and conditions apply? Yes. Well, thanks, Abbot. I, I love having you back. I, I can't wait to... Uh, I will say, actually, my other podcast, which is called The Long Shot, we did a live podcast from the Casper Mattress showroom up in the Hollywood Hills, and the mattresses seemed really nice. They did. It was a lot of fun. It was a pretty fun podcast. We had Pete Holmes, a great comedian, as our guest. Sweeping views of the entire Los Angeles area. <laughs> And the most comfortable mattresses that money can buy. I know I want to get one for myself. Okay, peace out. Well, that was fun. I love Adbot. He's so cute. You know what I mean? Oh, Adbot. So we got a great episode coming up. You're going to love this conversation. Uh, we're going to get to it with a crazy fun uh, sound of a splashing fucking... Uh, something splashing. I don't know what it's going to be. Andrew's going to pick, a, pick out a sound of something splashing. And then... We're going to get into the conversation. Gatekeeper. Hello, and welcome to Gatekeeper. It is a podcast. My name is Jamie Flam. I'm excited because right now I'm looking in the eyes of two of my favorite people in the world. No way. You is that such... how you intro everyone? No. Oh, all right. Well, it should be. Thank you. No, it shouldn't be. Oh, it shouldn't keep be. Keep it to me and someone else. Okay. But whatever the list is, keep me on it. Keep Brian locked the office. You are two people that I've met in the last five years. Mm. Ed, probably five years ago when I first started the improv, booking the lab, and Laura in the last year. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to have you on for a casual conversation that I would hope will be inspirational as well mm -hmm. um, about creativity, 
about mm-hmm. careers and trying to make it in this insane world of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but you guys both have a recurring theme of uh, being into self-help. And I want to talk about what the, what does that mean? And what does it mean and to be an artist and, and try to take care of yourself so that you can create the things in this world that you want to create? Does that seem yeah. like a... Seems like a lot to cover. It seems very. It I'll, seems very loaded. I'll. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll tell you how to be happy all the time if that's what you're looking. Well, why for. don't we start with both of you? Talk about uh, your careers to this point and what you do. <laughs> what do I do? Um, well, I just wrote on loosely exactly Nicole, which I'm very proud of. Um, my career. I. Uh, I'm. This, this is Ed by the way, talk about <laughs> uh, I'm Laura House, and I started as a stand-up in Austin, Texas, and I taught seventh grade during the day because I didn't know or believe if I could have a career in comedy. Still wondering. What? Um, and I... I like the censorship, the self-censorship. <laughs> so stand-up uh, MTV came to town and put three of us on a TV show, Austin Stories, and... Uh, brought me back out, brought me out to LA. And so I bounced around as a performer. Um, and then I, I sort of hit as a writer. So I've, I've like made a living writing for TV for like 12 years or so, sold some shows, still do stand up. really picked it back up. Um, again, more enthusiastically in the past couple of years. Um, and, uh, my, the, and, and I got really into meditation, which is why you have me here. Um, but I, but it came from this business and it came from one of my most successful moments when I realized I needed help. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I was out here and I, I, I had a part-time job and was just like auditioning, like trying, trying like part-time job, try like in a sketch group, like all these things that don't pay and part-time sketch groups don't pay part-time job. You don't, is there one that pays? There's a sketchy group oh, that pays. Yeah. I think a lot of them are like that and you pay to be in it. So, um, yeah. And then I, I, you know, I had a dream like you do. And I was like, um, I, if I, if I write on a show, then, then like, then I'll be happy. And then I, I, I guess I'm a wizard. I got a job writing on a show, <laughs> on a network show. And um, it was a sketch show. And then uh, I, I, it was exciting. And then I, I wasn't happy. <laughs> and I was like, Next, second season. If I get a second season, then I'll know like I'm really good at this and then I'll be happy. And then, I mean, the show ended, but anyway, but I was like a sitcom. Maybe that's it. This is a sketch show. <laughs> Happiness probably lies in a sitcom, which everyone says. Mm-hmm. Everyone says a writer's room on a sitcom is just full of the happiest people you've ever, what? <laughs> it's the opposite. So I, um, anyway, but it was on that, I did get on a sitcom and I had a, uh, gosh, a 40 week contract. So I was handed basically like, you can't be fired. You're going to make six figures. And I was like, oh my God, I'm completely empty inside. <laughs> like I had, <laughs> I, it was like, that pause. you couldn't want, you know, like it had, like the thing happened. And I was like, I didn't know who I was when I was alone at the end of the day. And I didn't know um, sort of what to do with myself if I wasn't like hustling or thinking that something was going to. So I, um, that was the George Lopez show, by the way. I feel, I feel like a lot of spiritual journeys. Started with the George Lopez show. And the (laughs) emptiness inside that's felt with when you're on the George Lopez show. Also, I I hope when people watch it in reruns, they feel it. The emptiness. (laughs) emptiness. (laughs) They're like something. 
makes me sad. I what? The, I love George, but the emptiness I don't enjoy as much. <laughs> this isn't good. No, it, uh, yeah, I had this great gig. So I started looking into meditation. I tried like five or six different kinds and I found one that suited me. You know, like I, when I did the meditation, I felt different than when I just sat or, you know, quietly or whatever. So, um, I really liked it. And then I just started feeling like it gave me like a home inside myself. Mm-hmm. I'll end it with that. A house. Bit of a, a home inside bit, the house. But it did. Yeah. Right. Ironic that? that my last. No. no. Wait a minute. That. Hello. My last name is house, but I never felt at home. Oh. Well, hello to you. Hi. Wow. That is fantastic. How yeah. is that not a brand? I don't know. Well, how am I not a brand? How is I think this the brand going to make you happy? Yeah. No, then I'll be happy. No, if I had a cool, like if it, if the brand had a cool logo. What if it were the emptiness brand and you were just, that was a fa- uh, good thing. It's just a glass of water <laughs> or just a glass, no, one, nothing empty. in it. Yeah. Just empty. Um, so yeah. And then I kept taking classes and I just, because I wanted to, and then I ended up, I, you know, whatever, going to India and then going away for three months and, yeah, you know, throw one, away the India thing. one thing led to another. And, uh, but then I, I'm qualified to teach meditation and I love teaching it and I love teaching it to comics and stuff because we, everybody comes in with like their faces scrunched up and their shoulders scrunched up. And then it's like, look, you can meditate. It's really easy. And then it's just this, it's amazing. It's great. I love passing it on to people and I love undoing any mystique that it might have for people because I feel like it was a orig- I feel like meditation was branded as something that's difficult mm-hmm. and you need someone very special to show you the way, or it'll take a thousand lifetimes for a drop of joy or nonsense. Like you could, you can 30 seconds, you'll feel better instantly. I've been meditating for the last 40 seconds. Uh-huh. And can I say something about it? You're glowing. It does not work. No, no that is no. not you. <laughs> no, no, it's a point counterpoint we're having he, about meditation. Laura is my meditation. She's my meditation teacher. So I met Eddie Pepitone, good friend of yours, <laughs> good friend of all of ours. And when I say Eddie, what's going on with you? And he says I'm meditating and I love it. That's when I say, How did you learn it? Who who did this to you? And so he says, Laura House. And then I drive all the way out to the goddamn valley. <laughs> yeah, it takes sacrifice. To see this lady to my right, your left, radio <laughs> right to left. And I, and I, and she was a wonderful teacher. And she actually turned me on to another uh, teacher in my neighborhood because I don't really want to leave the house. Yeah, I get it. So why don't you work backwards from there and explaining your career? Well, and it will be full circle. Well, I'm going to start, I guess, when I was in eighth grade, seventh grade. Uh, I was, was Laura your teacher? Laura was my teacher that, in seventh grade. I'm timeless. Uh, she's timeless because she's, you know, you're connected to the divine spirit of the Yaya sisterhood. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Yaya. Anyway, I, so I was in Boston. I grew up in Boston and my mother had had an accident and I wouldn't let anybody else touch her. I wouldn't let anybody else go near her. I had to take care of her because my mother, I was very close to my mom. She was very funny and uh, a great storyteller and inspiring to me. So I, uh, I wouldn't let anybody else touch her. And I turned into like a housewife at the age of 12. I wouldn't let anybody eat. I wouldn't let anybody oh, wow. stand. I would clean everything up because it's the only way I thought I had control over anything. And... Um, I subsequently started doing poorly in school because I never went. Mm-hmm. That'll, that'll uh, do it. I never went, <laughs> not even a little bit. And so for that year, and I was a very good student. Well, you were a housewife. 
It didn't well, make sense for you to go to school. And that's why people who disrespect <laughs> housewives mm-hmm. when they're teenage boys are wrong. Um, and so, and so what I did was I, I, um, so I didn't go to school. And so they had this program where they started like helping to support kids who weren't doing well in school. And it was a state run program and they had counselors, they had therapists. So I went to see a therapist Oh, interesting. and I went into the therapist and I said, this is what I asked a therapist at age like 12. <laughs> I said, how long is it going to take for me to be happy? Oh, wow. That's what I asked. What the therapist oh. said. I said, how long is it going to take? Because I want to know, I'm not interested in happiness. What I'm interested in is how long is it going to take? Uh, so I'm a timing guy. I'm guessing you guy. want it to be a short, a short amount of well, time. Well, a shorter than longer. And I'm not lying when I say to you that this therapist looked at me and she said, it's going to take a long time. Oh, no. <laughs> and then I sued her. And then there was a oh, trial. Oh. And then I was in jail for what? No. And oh. then it became a oh. movie. And then I lost that deal because my manager didn't mm. do oh. a good job. Um, anyway, so. And that should be overturned because she was right. She was correct. <laughs> that lady was a genius. Okay. And I thought she was insane. No, no. Uh, and I don't have any feelings about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm done with it. Yeah, no, no you don't say that. <laughs> so, all right. So here's, so what happened to me is I um, went through a lot of different kinds of therapy and I became a stand-up comic and I went into stand-ups, oddly enough, so that I could express myself. I didn't go in to make anybody laugh, and I did well at not making people laugh for a long time. No mm. one is better, yeah, uh, and no one is worse. So, so nobody's right if everybody's wrong. That's true. All right. So, so now here, so so now I'm going through this process of uh, acting and stand up and writing and doing all these different things. But while I'm doing that, I'm seeing therapist, guru, shaman, and people who defy description. Uh, I have seen fire and I've seen rain, uh, <laughs> come out of <laughs> sunny days. Eyeballs. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had a teacher who I sat across from, and this is a guy who managed people's energy fields. Mm-hmm. So he said, would you look at me? Look into my eyes. He said, look into my eyes, look into his eyes and everything in the room disappeared. And it looked like fog. Looked like the start of the movie. Heaven can wait. Looked like fog. Couldn't see anything in the room. And I was sitting in this overstuffed armchair opposite him. And I, he said, what are you experiencing? No, he'd say, what are you hearing? Because he always thought that people heard their own heads. So what are you hearing? So I said, well, I don't know what I'm hearing, but, I, but I'm sitting in this chair like Lincoln on the Lincoln Memorial because I don't take up a lot of space in the world. So this is weird for me. He said, would you look at me? And I looked at him and he said, what do you see? I said, you look like Lincoln on the Lincoln Memorial. And he, he looked like Abraham Lincoln at that moment. So I'm not making any of this up. So he said, you understand what you're seeing is a reflection of yourself and that this is a hologram kind of experience. What you see is a projection of what's going on inside of you. I said, you might say that, but I don't really understand what you're talking about. And I'm a little scared, a little bit, but I feel pretty good. So anyway, that's one example of the kind of people that I would be involved may with. I, may I pitch, may a I show? pitch something? Uh-huh. Uh, and then you said... How long till I'm happy? And he said, four score and seven years. That's hey! 
I like the way you brought it around. I was trying to connect the, the dots as well. I saw the car coming down the boulevard, but I didn't realize you were in it and you were driving. Yeah. That was great. Thank you. Four score and seven years ago. No, and that's when I did The Secret <laughs> of Desmond working. Pfeiffer, which was a show about Abraham Lincoln. Oh, no way. That's when I wrote that show and that's created. <laughs> Wait, what was the upshot of the this person? Yeah. Oh, no. He's, a fa- fa- he's, he's very, just saying very he's talented. done a bunch of weird stuff. I've done right. weird stuff. And so that one day I was like <laughs> trying to create all these shows for people, for other people, of course. And then one day I said to myself, I said, you know, half your life really has been comedy and the other half has been some kind of self-help in some aspects. I wonder if there's a way that you could combine the two. I wonder if you could put it, you could be your whole self while you actually performed. And then I thought to myself, okay, so maybe humor and emotion are together. Maybe this is maybe there's some way to put this together. So I ran into a guy who was a psychodramatist, who and I we started doing live shows where people would come on. You guys have both been on it, where people would come on and they talk about life issues, uh, their lives, and then they'd go through acting out whatever they were talking about, guided by this therapist. And we've had nights, I mean, it was the best show I've ever done because um, it really, in its best form, combines humor and emotion and people being the hero of their own life and their own story in its best form. That's the way it's supposed to work. So I thought thought that something that combined humor and emotion, I wanted to create a world out of that. Because selfishly, for me, it's also a world where I want to be as a host which is that I don't want to be, um, I want to be a full human being while I'm hosting a show. And I still, to this point, have yet to see that. It's really hard to do. What does that look like to you? It looks like somebody who is being who they are always while they're, while they're doing it. And, they- some, and, and, and that's hard to do. Some pe- and, and it's hard to do it and have it not become an act. Mm-hmm. People like Mark Maron, people like... They're great. He's a great host. But if you do it repeatedly, it becomes an act. Mm-hmm. And then and then it's not, it's not, it becomes a, a sold thing. And so what I wanted to do is come on the air and be a performer, but be human. And so a host is somebody who is like a people pleaser. They're they're supposed to make the other person look good, and that's your job. You're supposed to listen. But what if you're not feeling great? What if you have different emotions? Can you show them as a host? Not really. Not if you're a comedic host. And it's never in media. No one shows this in media. So I wanted to I wanted to be my whole self in life, but also in my work. So maybe I should practice it more in my life and then maybe it would translate to my work. But but no, that's why I'm so I want to help other people uh have have a a place where you know, you're bringing across self-help tools and techniques and all kinds of, of things, all kinds of issues, getting people to wake up, getting people to be, but doing it through without excluding humor. And usually when you, when you do both, one of the sides is pretty, is either cheesy or it's not as developed as the other side. And so my goal is to, is to make them both, uh, equal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's self-help people who do it who it, 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 it's not very funny. And then there's funny people who do it where it's not very helpful. So Laura has a, a work that she's doing and she's combining both. And the, but there are only, there aren't many people doing it. 
that I find where it's of high quality on both sides. Is there anyone that you feel is, um, at least as a host, um, that has done that successfully? No, not no. since Jack Parr. Jack Parr was a guy, for better or worse, he was a guy who... Uh, he was he, the Tonight he, Show host. Yeah, the original. The first, the original. The yeah. second, second. So he had to be himself, and even though he was affected or whatever he was, but he was very vulnerable while he was hosting, and that's why he didn't continue on. But, but it was very, he, was, he was being emotional mm-hmm. while he was being a host. And he had interests. He was a, you know, he had a comedy show, but if he wanted to do something on a serious subject, he did it. Do you think that, I feel like now with as many platforms as there are mm-hmm. in entertainment, that there, there should be m- much more of that happening and it probably will be happening, but you shook your head. I don't think it, I, you know, I, I tell you, I don't, I don't think it does because I think what happens is it's hard to collapse the ego and it's hard to not want to be liked. And so, uh, so what happens is I think people like it's, it's counterintuitive to, to a host to say, we'll be right back with this. You know, I'm interviewing these people. I have issues today as well. It's really hard to include all yeah. of those things. I can only think of Paul Gilmartin. Well, I love Paul. Yeah. Paul is doing great work, but Paul goes really, yeah. Paul goes He'll really you know. deep He'll let you yeah. know. and he goes really deep. Yeah. That's the other thing about yeah. him. I'm very surface level here. Well, yeah. no. You, you are, and if you're a really interesting guy because you're in, you're in, you're heavily entrenched in comedy, but you're, you want to live a happy life. Sure. And I you, think everyone wants to, right? Oh, I don't get that feeling. Oh, really? Yeah. Or misery makes some people happy mm-hmm. or something or comfortable, but. It makes them feel alive, I guess. Yeah. I, I, I encounter, maybe, yeah. I, or that's where they think creativity comes from. I encounter people sometimes that are like afraid. And I was. I guess in the beginning, like afraid to meditate because they're like, oh, if I feel good, then. And somebody said that directly to me. Oh, if I feel good, I think I won't get much done. Like, that's so disturbing, you know, because yeah. another way to say that is like, I only really accomplish anything, but, you know, just out of a self-hatred or a, and a constant state of upset as opposed to like, oh, I want to do this. Or, or, and this is what yeah. you're taught. This is the culture breeds this too. You're taught, you know, the great, our favorite musicians, our favorite artists, our favorite people. How many of them do you hear were ever had like a balanced or a happy life? Not, not a ton of them, not a lot of them, you know. I, I do feel like that's happening more now. And it is because of all the, the different platforms. Like, I think, like, since you mentioned Mark Marin, like, because of the podcast and because of the umpteen channels and sub channels and internet channels, I feel like more people are, uh, like Maria Bamford coming out and saying, like, I'm not happy all the time and <laughs> mental illness. And, like, I, I do think, and, it, and then I also think what's really cool is that's what people want now. Yeah. So, kind of that vulnerability that you mentioned that was only Jack Parr, um, you know, you could argue he was just way ahead of his time. Cause I, I think people are really, cause what I, and what I hear a lot, especially when I tell, you know, talk about things that are hard to talk about or, uh, you know, have been a source of shame or, you know, whatever for me, people are, you know, just embrace it and are like, Oh, you made me feel not alone. And thank you. And, and what's great about comedians, so many things, but one is it's so insane to me that like the number one fear is public speaking, but like comedians, ha- you can publicly speak and to, to use that power and say something like, Oh, I, 
I hurt so much in this way, then people are like, oh, I, I do too, but I would never know how to say that. And I love comedy to maybe avoid those feelings, but this is great. So I think it's a really exciting time for, you know, like the stuff that we're interested in of, of saying like, because also what, you, what you're super right about is, and I've known ministers and um, there's certainly self-help people that are like, oh, I'm funny. And it's like, well, yeah, for a, what you do, right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, but, but to have comedian, like, no, no, all I ever wanted to be was funny for double digit years. And that's what I did. And that's all I did. And now I'm adding this other element, this deeper element or, and this, you know, intention to like help people. That's to me like amazing. Mm-hmm. I think you know? the, the, the Maria's show is the best way of putting that. Like it's a show built yeah. around that. It's a comedy show. That goes into her her psyche and I and had a meltdown. Yeah. yeah, I it, it, it I was is, diagnosed. Yeah, it's it, incredible. It is good. It is good, and I like that she's silly and playful about it too. And I I think that 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 kind of humor and also the, all the devices that are the, used in that the show. The cut brilliant. to screaming in the bathtub, it, to me, just I get that. Yeah, I get that you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah, that'll be great. <sighs> yeah, you said. I mean, when you mentioned, you know, not wanting to go to a positive place through meditation or whatever it is mm. because the comedy comes from the the, the pain we've all lived pain mm. and just because you might be in a better place it doesn't mean you're always in a great place i mean it's always yeah. gonna be a roller coaster right but you can always you always have the well to, to draw from you don't have to be miserable to draw from that well when you're and writing pe- and producing comedy. and people have no, mixed emotion that's the other thing when we were doing this show it's like people have mixed feelings but they're not allowed to have mixed feelings yeah. And so when they are allowed to feel different things at the same time, they come to life. People think they're tired. You're not tired. You're carrying around a bunch of emotions that need to be released. (laughs) And it's like that. They don't belong inside of you. They Mm -hmm. don't want to be inside of you. It's like just you need to like, and I say you, me, you know, sometimes I, when I get bogged down, it's because I have stuff that I'm not releasing, you know? And, and when I say releasing, I'm talking about bodily fluid. No, I'm not. I'm, uh, but, but all of it, you know, it, it, people, it's not one way or the other. It's, it's mixed. You're just alive. And um, it's, hard to, it's hard to have that, uh, to, to have permission to have those things. Well, it's, it's also neat that that's changing, too. Like, I love young people. <laughs> this is, I don't feel like I'm the oldest person, but I, like, I love 20-somethings. Yeah. I, I love, I love that these strong young women are speaking out and, and banding together and speaking up about things that, you know, other, like I couldn't or, or, or felt like I couldn't. Um, so I do, cause when I, like when what you were talking about, I was like, oh, that's what my parents told me, you know, don't cry or don't do that. Or like, just, it's fine. Like we didn't never talked about how we felt in, in my house and I'm from a pretty, nice enough family they weren't mean or anything but like we didn't have we didn't process feelings you were just you were fine or you just kept it to yourself (laughs) like there just wasn't because they didn't know how to do that and I you know as parents have gotten parents have changed you know so like I guess these 20 somethings were raised with like whatever you feel is great Mm -hmm. and (laughs) like there's something like amazing about that I think but and because I even think it's it's changed comedy like so many young people are super funny, super fast, mm. and they're telling truths that it used to take people 10, 15 years 
of stand up before they were like, oh, I'm going to try saying this thing about my divorce or whatever. And kids are like, <laughs> they were not afraid to go there and, you know, and they're being honest and, you know, not just trying to be shocking. Like, do you think part of that is like the, the podcast that you guys do and, and Paul Gilmartin and where young comics and artists are exposed through podcasting and to this type of vulnerability, you know, that they were never exposed to before at such a young age. Yeah. I think, I, th I think raised differently, always had the internet, could watch like comedy all the time, you know, for like through the web, like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah. And then exposed to tons, tons more stuff for they, sure. They had access to and more, they much could more make things. their own TV shows yeah, <laughs> and pod and radio shows, you know, from when they were like 11 or whatever at home. So, yeah, there is, it's changed everything. There is some, you know, and, and, and the, yeah, when you think about just what people are exposed to, I mean, we were exposed to the Brady Bunch, which is its own hallmark. I'm Don't even start with me on the Brady. No, but I mean, but I'm saying yeah. we had a certain frame of reference. Well, and, we had to be there at a certain time to watch it. Right. Look, I'm not as old as you and I'm not trying to pretend I am, but. <laughs> no one is. Um. <laughs> No, no one is. Um, no, but no, I'm just going to act like I don't get references. 4 the what? The huh? On TBS after school. And yeah. TBS, right. TBS. <laughs> the Brady Brunch? Yeah. What are you talking about? It was about? called, it was a brunch show. Mm -hmm. It was about people, a family so it was having brunch. waffles and eggs? Yeah. Okay. It was mostly waffles and eggs. Mm, there was a I'm maid young. who knew things. And, oh, yeah. yeah. She knew that plumber. She knew stuff. She knew stuff. Um, she, what? But no, but Sam, I, oh, the <clears> butcher. It was Sam the Butcher. Sam the Butcher, But Sam, Sounds what like does a that murderer. really mean? Sounds yes. like a murderer. Well, he was a murderer. Oh. They know that now. I didn't. <laughs> they did not know that then. Was that on the DVD? It's on the it extras, extra, yeah. Bootleg. Yeah. <laughs> bootleg, I said. Came in the audio commentary. Now, now, uh, but that, but it's, really, it's, really, uh, it's really true. I mean, what people are exposed to. But the, on the other side, um, I think podcasting is great because people are hearing conversations. And you don't have... There is no substitute, and I'm going to sound like Strom Thurmond now, but there's oh. no substitute. There's no substitute for, for good white people for racism. No, oh. there's no substitute for for conversations. If you can get, uh, I'm talking about a quality. Is that of something life. Strom? Th I don't know how Strom Thurmond got. You'll have no conversation. Um, I didn't realize. I don't know. What, that's what he was saying, but people mis misunderstood. Oh, oh. What is yes machine? Now, you were known for your Woody Allen, but I didn't know you did such a great Strom Thurmond. Of podcasting. <laughs> of okay. podcasting. Okay. How okay. did you have microphone? Um, but, and now, but now, Strom Thurmond podcasting. I don't know how to, I don't know how to machine work. Um, but, but, but anyway, what? I, I, uh. But no, but no, uh, I forgot what I was saying, but it's not Sorry. important. Obviously not important. But no, but no, uh, the conversation, the conversation there's no substitute. So you can be on, Facebook is a tool. The internet, it's a tool. It's a wonderful tool. You're a tool. But, but if I, I'm a tool. But if you wanted to really change the world, really control the world, here's what I would do. Oh, this is I what would people say, want to hear, by the way. Oh my God. If you really want to control the world Turn up and the you're volume. a government, here's what you do. You get people interested in something that's the size of their hand. Upon, and, and it's an electronic device, you put it in their hand and you convince them that that is the way that they should connect to the world. And you get them to turn away from each other and you get them to think that there's no power in connecting to other people, that they're powerless to change the government or to change the world. And you get them looking into their phone all day. And that is how you render people powerless. In I, this world, I feel like that's already happening. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I think it's okay. done. It's done. Oh, okay. But now harness it and make a brand out of it. 
<laughs> no. But what I'm saying is, I'm saying the quality, it's about quality of life. The quality that you have in conversing with somebody face-to-face is very different than the quality that you have of texting somebody. But there's a generation of people that don't know that because they haven't. So there's a, there's a plus and a minus maybe side to all that you're exposed to electronically. Um, I, 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 you know, sit at my desk as a booker of a comedy club and just email all day. Hundreds of people on any given day. Um, and I just bring this up because before I, I came here. I don't here, get any emails from you. Really? What about the ones R- you reply R- to? Rarely. This is weird. Rarely. I feel like <laughs> hundreds of Who's... people, but not, not old housey. Not the right people. <laughs> Certainly not the right I'm people. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Oh, you as far as booking for spots. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, no, I don't even I'm that. just saying you don't, you don't, just, hey, house, how you doing? <laughs> no, please. Should I call ahead. you house? No, no, I, okay. I don't know. But what? this, what's <laughs> happening? I had too much coffee. I'm sorry. I'm no, being very you. negative and I'm a loving person. Well, yeah, that's why you're here. Okay. Damn coffee. But I had coffee with a, a friend earlier that I didn't connect with. I'm sitting here with you now. Nothing makes me feel more alive oh, yeah. or reminds me why I even do what I do than, than this. And now more so than even watching people on stage. It's, it's the, the conversations and really? the taking the walks and the conversation. The conversation. Yeah, because uh, versus on stage where it's one way, it's them talking and yeah. you're experiencing it passively. For the most part. I mean, and that's one of the dynamics I, I like to change. That's why I love the lab so much is that there's more creativity in shows and, you know, oftentimes savvy, savvier audiences that, that are down to do. I mean, that's when I first met you was, Ed, you did your self-help as a, I think, a pilot presentation. Yeah. But um, th- these magnificent shows were, I think mm. um, it was, uh, who, I forgot who the guests were, but it was a fantastic. But yeah. there was crying. It was a comedy show and people are crying. Oh, wow. Do you know what I'm, you remember yeah, what I'm It was about. Mo Collins and uh, Karen Kilgarrab and oh, a bunch of people. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It was Zappa. great. And Moon Zappa and Taylor Negron, rest his soul, who yeah, was yeah. amazing. And Eddie Pepitone. That's right. I want to see that again. And instead of calling it self-help something, just call it, I'm going to make you cry. Which is, the my mother wrote a book, but I didn't realize it at the time. She said, I'm going to make you. No, uh, it's a, <laughs> no, no, no. But, but that's, that's a good title for a show. Yeah. I'm going to make you cry. You'll never be good enough. The show. Well, that <laughs> is really what it's, yeah, that's really true. But no, I mean, uh, the, to this whole experience and that, and that's what I like about, you know, a, a place, a space where you can come and you can actually do those kind of things or just doing it in your, wherever you do it. Mm-hmm. It's a full experience. It's a full emotion. And this conversation earlier today, something came up that I'd never thought about. I'm interested to hear what you guys think, but comedy has never been easier to get it as we were just talking mm, about there mm-hmm. you can watch it on the internet you watch sketches and you can watch yeah. stand up and all these things i think people are craving more than ever to feel you know for me personally i'd much rather cry now oh. or, or feel inspired than a release a yeah. release that's, that's very interesting a release because you don't get a chance to do that uh and with the bombardment of media there's not a lot you know it's more a bombardment than a nuance of uh, and nuance. What am I, Paul Reiser? But but there is a more of a nuance. <laughs> what it, am I? In in uh, in in other kinds of media, you know that that you don't see all the time. And sometimes it's live. Sometimes it's a live stage show, or it's a perform. It's a performance that gets so you. So interesting. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's not a release. It's not, I mean, it's hard to cry when you're what. This is what I love about a lot of uh, TV that's become very popular. Is there has to be a beheading at some point in a show. And then when you talk to the writer, it's all about, at the end of the day, my show is really about family. 
The fact that there's eight or 10 beheadings per show, that's icing on the cake. Uh, because, you know, like The Walking Dead, I'm, it's a brilliant show. Believe me. Game of Thrones, brilliant tell, brilliant. These things are amazing. But is the only way to tell a story having somebody spear somebody through the chest? Is that the only way to tell a story? I mean, could there be like average regular people actually communicating and having a, is that is there room for that kind of show to become well, popular? Mean, that's on MSNBC. What a great station. <laughs> Such a good station. Anyway, I'm sorry. Again, the, the coffee comes in. No, you, but you're saying something important, which is a, a release that, yeah. that people need to, if they laugh, they, there's also, there has to be room for that kind of release. I remember even in my early 30s, like, why would anyone watch a drama? I just had no right. interest in drama. And maybe it's just because I'm on the cusp of 40 where I only want to watch things and I'm about to cry no matter what I'm watching now. I want to see real things happening and real people and real emotions and That's very sweet. I'm watching this new thing called The Get Down on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And it's so good. And it's just real moments. And I'm like, I want to cry more. Now I'm, see, I'm being vulnerable. Yeah. Look, what good. am I, Jack Parr over here? Who are, who are you? <laughs> what are you? That's hysterical. It would be hysterical for you to say that to an audience. I've never seen, people. Did he do the golf thing? It was just Carson. That's Carson. Yeah. That yeah. is so, in, I. I'm, uh, I'm being uh, myself right. <laughs> uh, wow, I, uh, that is wild. You're wow. wild. What Weird is this welling up inside of me? What? That is wild. Um, yeah, I, I know it's a great time for dramas right now, and they're sort of more intense, and and they're really, good, and that's what I tend to watch. But I had not thought of it in terms of there's so much, I there's so much comedy, and there's so much sort of um, stuff that's called comedy. I guess mm-hmm. like there's some really very funny people. I, I am not backpedaling on that. And then there's just a lot of like, I did this thing and it just is labeled comedy. And um, so, yeah, so it's kind of a, it's hard to sort through, I guess in, yeah. in a way to some degree, but I, I do like, yeah, it does seem like the stuff that is hard hitting is it's just more special. And I mean, you know, the thing, like, something that actually moves you. I don't know if that it's moves like, you. Like Bojack Horseman is, it's an animated comedy and mm-hmm. it's one of the most real shows yeah. out there right now. It, it's, it's more about him and his, about what he's grappling suicidally with. suicidally depressed. Yeah. Yeah. That a narcissist that. who can never be happy kind of knows it. And uh, it's the same show where you could see a visual gag of, you know, like some silly pun of a talking fish or yes. something. Yeah, really. I love that. Really funny Nothing jokes. Nothing like a talking fish. No, but I agree. Yeah, Bojack Horseman. I, how dark, because it's, it's uh, and then interesting to me that Will Arnett also made Flaked. I mean, just a cry for help on Netflix, huh? That guy. But it's, uh, which to me, it's just kind of, it's so similarly themed. Um, but yeah, but in a sense, the, the animated show goes further with it well if you i mean and and and, and there's a there's an you know it that for pixar almost any movie i mean you look at this movie inside out this is like one of the best movies that's ever been made i mean and and this movie is uh not you know yeah it's for kids but it's really not for kids it's really for everybody um but it has an excuse like you can be safe you can feel safe because it's animated and because it's a Pixar movie and all these movies, I would go in and I'd have these like real inc- intense emotions. Um, but it's done playfully. So that's, that's, that's a real gift. 
you know, that's a real gift to be able to do that. I'd like to see it more in, um, in more, more in shows, more in live action shows. And I think it's happening. And I think you're, you're still doing it. I think the, how do you feel about the term self-help? I, it's, I was always into it. I grew up with my dad and mom just with giving me Tony Robbins tapes and um, Eckhart Tolle. That's and, amazing. Now, why did they, why, how were they, how did they come to that material? How did they come to that stuff in they, their own lives? They've always been seekers themselves and um, always trying to be, you know, bettering their business and bettering their lives. And that's amazing. And so just, I, you know, I read all these books and the peaceful warrior and, but I, there's always a sense of like guilty pleasure with like in college and beyond, like I'm into self-help. And I think when the term became personal development, it became a little bit easier because so many people you hear self-help and it instantly conjures up like, Oh God, steps and, yeah, but, I hate that. I, I I hate it. I don't I don't like that term. I but I haven't found the better term. Like personal development's okay, but but uh, transformational. Mm-hmm. I just it makes me feel like I'm in the Andromeda strain. Like <laughs> right. transformational is it human? Uh, and there's no you know personal growth sounded like it could be a tumor. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really know. Uh, so I haven't found if anybody if I can find a better word and then to combine it with comedy if you can in one word say that it's both those things but have the word not sound like it's crazy that would be great i haven't found the word no yet. i haven't either but I, but i also feel people are seemingly more open to it than ever before or it maybe i'm wrong but i i think it's amazing that that you're you're doing these things with self help and um i don't know how do you feel about it you see how i just totally just oh. shifted focus how <laughs> anyway, do you feel about this thing that anyway, i'm rambling it. on about what do you think well <laughs> The word, if I had a word that combined meditation with, um, you know, humor, I would be calm meditation. Calm meditation. I don't, I like that. Eh. I like it. Um, <laughs> but, uh. Transformative. I don't, I mean. Andrew, yeah, is that so, URL available? <laughs> <laughs> the um, we'll gonna, inner comedy. Then I have to buy it from you. Um, no, the, I find that the, yeah, self-help sort of has a seventies vibe it's old. and it also inherently suggests something's wrong with you. Right. Um, it also inherently is wrong because you're going to, you're not, if you could help yourself, you wouldn't need this billion dollar industry. <laughs> you're sort of, um, yeah, I guess people, I don't know. I, but I was obsessed with it too. I, I read, I can't, and my parents were did not encourage me in that way, or or um, uh, they were not seekers. Um, but the I came across it like a used bookstore, a self help book in in high school. I remember I felt like I had had the answer to the world, which I guess is really kind of the dirty promise of all those books are like codependent no more, perfect, perfect. you know, like oh, I won't be. This is the answer. Yeah, I'll only have good relationships mm-hmm. or not. But the but I read the self-help book feeling like I'm not even messed up yet. I'm just like 16. So I'm going to read this. I'll never have a problem. It'll be preventative. Which is super neurotic. <laughs> preventative self-help. Yeah, I was doing preventative self-help. Um, like, oh, then I'll know how everything works. So, but yeah, I was always into all of that stuff. But. I don't know, but I have the same labeling is hard when you, it's something you like, but the label sucks. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, spiritual is also 
annoying because we can all think of a hundred annoying things about someone we know who like calls themselves that. Right. So yeah. So I have that with meditation as well. It's, it, it's my family had like and a cell jazz. Phone. That's a terrible name. for <gasps> It but. is a horrible name. No, it's, um, just, no. <laughs> it's conjures terrible. I guess you could say that. I mean, there's terrible comedy and there's amazing comedy. It's all um, called comedy. But it's all comedy. It's all the same. We had, we had, we had, we were in therapy before. It's like it was shoes. Another there some word. great shoes and there's some terrible shoes. But shoes has a nice fit to it, you know? <laughs> Everybody enjoys the shoe. We need shoes. But, no, but, but my family, you know, this history of, it really is a who's who of despair. And it, and it is a, <laughs> it goes back so many generations that. There's your book title. Who's Who of Despair. Uh-huh. I have so many. But that, but that is. <laughs> uh, There's a book called The Who's Who of Despair that asked me to pay money to be in it. Oh, yes. They had their well, embrace yeah. in Brooklyn. In high school? They're based in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a 718 area code that calls me. Um, but no, but, but that, uh, that was, you know, my, my family went to therapy before people were going to therapy that much. And before, you know, in the 60s and, and 70s, I'm not young. I'm not going to kid you. Um, but uh, You are young. I feel, I, actually, I'm getting younger every, every day. I am. My body's getting older, but I'm getting younger. So I look like I could pass away really quick. Oh. But I'm <laughs> so young. But people, but people also die young. That's true. Yeah. There's an upside to everything. Maybe death. Is, <laughs> maybe death is an ally. If you need an upside to death, call a old housey. I almost went to a really dark place. I'm sorry, I should old housey. You can't. no go say it. No, because it was it, it was for a, it was a joke. Oh, that's see, even horrible. when I don't tell a joke, it's it's a yeah, rule of improv. You know, when you go for the joke, you're gonna. And you were Kill trained. All momentum. You were trained in it. Now improv spilling over to your spilling over into your into your life. This yes and philosophy. Everybody. You know, whether you want to be funny or an improv, even if you want to be an insurance salesman, you cannot lose by going to improv classes. You can't lose. Agreed. It can't, it, there isn't a bad improv class, right? No, that's one word that's I teach only a terrible good. improv class. How's it going? Not good. <laughs> I'm not good at No, and. How much no, money can I no. pay to take this class? Oh, it's $4,000. Oh, great. But that's for the first session. Great. Um, so. <laughs> Would it's you guys good. say that, you know, you can do all this self-help stuff and you can uh, work your whole life and read all the books and do all these programs, everything. But at the end of the day, if you're present in, in your life and in the decisions you're making, then it's all good. And that's what meditation is for. Is this the, is this your outro? No. Uh, uh, it's a yeah. good outro. Uh, it's not you, necessarily you an outro. No, no, I, I just—it sounded. Like I think a we're like the one eighth point of this podcast. Oh boy, good eight more of these. What <laughs> seven more? No, I, I think for one, you can make yourself miserable with self help or self betterment or self improvement or whatever. Um, I think to always be seeking is I. I feel like there's an understanding. A lot of people have or a, a sense of like, oh, I, I want to always be seeking. I don't. I think like settle down. Yeah. I think if you find something that works for you, that's your thing. And maybe like even my meditation teacher who's taught for over 40 years. He was like, hey, if I found something better, I'd do that. <laughs> he was like, I don't just have some <laughs> some weird loyalty to this. It just totally works for me. And so I I like it and I pass it along. Like I like that attitude. So. Mm-hmm. Something that I've learned is that about myself, like I, I can obsess about 
countless things and I can obsess about if I'm obsessing about health, even mental mental health, I'm going crazy. So I think there's there's a really appropriate time to just yes, just be happy at the end of the day. And also I think self-acceptance is a huge thing. Like I, to me, the best self-help book would be you're fine and it's blank inside and it's free. <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, you're fine. Nobody's per-. like, we say this, you throw it around like, Oh, nobody's perfect. But if you really understand like, Oh, I, I don't have to constantly improve myself. I'm fine. I, I get to be this flawed thing and you get to be your flawed thing. I don't mean to make eye contact with anyone in particular. I, I, mean, I accept that I'm flawed. It's a, it's an easy, it's, and to me that like, I just realized that not that long ago where I was like, oh, like relax, mm. just relax and just sort of like have your day experience and know it's not going to get fixed today and it's fine. And, and we're it, all just kind of clodding along. And it doesn't mean any, it doesn't mean anything. What? It doesn't mean anything. Any thought, any feeling, any anything. It doesn't mean any. It doesn't mean anything about you or about anybody else. And I mean, breathing is always a good way to be alive, be present. I'm it's really like not way. good at it. I'm not good it's in at the, it. It's in the top ten. Yeah, top I'm not good at it. I, I have a Heart guy beating. who's trying to help. Who's to you know like train, like flowing. training, mm-hmm. working out, and it's like, God damn it! Like every time I start exercising. I hold my breath, which is like, it's kind of impossible to run or work out or do anything when you're holding your breath. And so that's something that's really pretty simple is to pay attention to breath. And I had a, I had a friend and accepting where you are. It's really, I don't know why it's so, it, it can be challenging sometimes, but it's so much easier. Whatever, it, wherever you are. Let me say it's challenging because of culture. It's challenging because every fucking billboard says you need this thing. You're not quite right. You should eat here. Like happiness, like the premise of nearly every commercial is this is where you get happiness mm-hmm. at McDonald's, at alcohol, yeah. at this place, at sandals. I love alcohol. Right. What? I love at alcohol. No, it, in Going the case alcohol. of alcohol, it's. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's correct. It's a good handle. But it, it is just, just the, a drunk bro guy. You can reach oh, me God, at, at alcohol. alcohol. <laughs> Nobody even thought to do it. Joe at alcohol. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. So I, we live in a culture that says you're, you're never enough. It, it's, you're never going to have enough. And, um, that's why I think the, the neurosis and we're, and also it's a capitalistic culture. So it's a consumer culture. So everything is pushed that like, you're supposed to be sad when a new phone comes out, you're supposed to be sad because you don't have it yet. And somebody else has it mm-hmm. and they're happier than you. What? Oh, I think <laughs> it's well, the premise about, of how to hate yourself. And I think it's, especially for <laughs> listeners to this podcast, a lot of people that are in comedy and you know, when you were talking about like when I, when I write on a sitcom, then I'll be happy. And then yeah. when I make my movie and then that, oh. you know, well, I remember Judd Apatow on stage talks about like, you know, seeing a therapist. And I remember like Judd Apatow who has millions of dollars yeah. what and do you need? a what career do you need? that we'd all dream of. Why would you ever need to see a therapist? And I think it's that that just shows that need. Like no matter where you're at, you're gonna, it's you're still gonna have to to work on happiness. You can never, you can never be enough. That that's like what Laura's saying. The message is that you're you're never enough. And if you can't answer that question with, I am enough at some point or at some moments of your day, it's gonna be a challenge 
you know, and uh, there was a there was a, a a guy I heard speak one time, and this was a great thing. He said the only reason to understand your problems is because you're planning on having them again. Which is to say that there's a lot of effort goes into understanding. People can really wallow. Yeah, you have to understand it. You have to understand it. You don't have to understand it. Well, you, mm-hmm. you don't have to. Yeah, you can just be a person. Yeah, or even just accept. Oh, just I have see. all these problems. Okay. It is what I it can is. still go to a movie. Yeah. I mean, unless well, that's one of your problems is that you're unable to go to a movie, then you pick something else. Well, that would be a big part. That would um, be, yeah. Then you'd be beyond. This is, this is the way I was taught is that everyone, um, people are thinking about what they can do in order to be happy. That that's the, those are the three in order. That's what's happening. Our mind is constantly racing about stuff we can do. And then we'll be happy. And everybody has a version. When I buy a house, when I get on Fallon, when I, you know, like, especially in like ambitious comics. And it's, and it's like, and I remember too, like when I had, you know, uh, before I started, oh, when I do open mics, you know, and then open mics, oh, when I get to open, oh, when I get to feature, when I get like, there's always the next rung. Um, And even people at the highest rungs are like, oh, when I, like if you're Amy Schumer, maybe you want to be Steve Carell. I don't know. Or, you know, you're Jim Carrey and you want to be Jim Carrey 15 years before. Whatever the <laughs> thing is, it's like, so we're thinking about what we can do to be happy. That's the formula. It's never worked ever. Not one time. It's never worked ever. It's never, ever worked. There's never been anything that anyone has done that made them happy. Now, in meditation, so that's the bad news. In the good news is in meditation and in other practices where you are like building your self-esteem and just accepting yourself and liking yourself, it flips the paradigm. So it's like, just get happy. And then, then you can do stuff and get stuff and buy a boat or, and enjoy it or whatever. Then you can make choices. Yeah. But like what you can do is just get happy. So it really is like, oh, get happy, then do all the other stuff that you want to do. Because none of That'd that be stuff. That'd be my two cents, none, am, ambitious comedy people listening to the podcast. And, and, it, and, and, and it's happening now. None of these things that I'm thinking about, that I'm concerned about, that I'm afraid of, are happening now. They're not happening now. <laughs> They're never happening. Excuse me. That's happening now. Laura just threw a bottle. Somebody threw, threw a bottle. Not I can't Except believe that. I didn't that hit was your happening head. Now. Was that a fear before that well, happened? You know what? I didn't even see it because I was too busy thinking about now. <laughs> um, that's, so that kind of, that. it's a shield. It's a shield. Now I want to pick it up and try it Throw it again? It again? Well, oh, reload? I guess I use my left. Reload. Um, Here, no, but, but, this one has water in it. Oh, good. But none of those things are happening. So I've spent so much time worrying about things that haven't happened or might happen or will happen. And it's just such cross wiring, you know, it's just such a habit. It's so much easier to just talk to you and to talk to you. I'm not talking to him. No, no, But no. to talk to you. But may I say something to that that will heal you and the entire world? Do it. This is exciting. Fast. <laughs> 30 how, seconds. It's how the mind is made. Yes. So just how you don't sass me. What? Yes. It's <laughs> it's how the mind is made. Like that's another thing that it, I, because it was it was something I thought about myself and I and people who want to learn to meditate and stuff. It, it you know like oh I couldn't get my mind to settle down or my mind is always like on the future on the past or stuff I want or don't have. I just want to say that is 
the nature of the mind. The mind is like always, that's its job is to always be like, what about this? What about that? And when it's, when it's something we want to be pulled by it's attraction. When it's something we don't want to be pulled by it's a distraction, but either way, that is just what the mind is doing all the time. So there's nothing like, there's nothing wrong with you. No, nothing. That's my message. There's nothing wrong with you except the creeps. Tell them what don't they can do. Don't be a creep. There's something wrong with creeps, tell, but otherwise. Tell something. them a simple thing that they can do when they are, cre- when I'm, I'll put it to me, when I'm thinking about all that crap and I'm in the future and I'm mm-hmm. in the past, I'm, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not enjoying it. So if you become it. aware that your mind is How do I do that? Past, How do I do that? You can, if you become aware of it, you can close your eyes. Just notice your breath. Just close your eyes. Just notice it. Like, oh. I think we should invite everyone to do it. Do it now. All right. You just close your eyes. Honestly, just close your eyes. Are you doing it? I see you at the stoplight, yeah. ma'am. Okay. Wait. Close them. <laughs> Shut now, it down. Okay, if you're not driving. Uh, yeah, close your eyes. Just notice your breath. Like, nothing to do about it. Just notice it. And you're going to keep having thoughts because you're alive. So you're going to keep having thoughts. And you can have those thoughts. You're not fighting thoughts. You're not rejecting thoughts. You just go, oh, okay, I'm having these thoughts. And you can have them. And when you're aware, your attention's not on the breath. Just easily put your attention back on the breath. And you can slowly open your eyes. That's what meditation is. It, it's really just that simple. If you feel like you're kind of going like, when you feel like you're spinning, let's say that's a good word for it, I think. So you feel like you're spinning. You can honestly close your eyes. You're basically just going like, world, I need, I need a second. <laughs> close your eyes and just notice your breath. And it puts you right back in. Like I said, I found a home in myself. Like it puts you right back in where you're actually living. And your mind's going to keep going. That it. You don't want your mind to stop. That's very, very bad news. Mm-hmm. So your mind's going to keep going and you can have those thoughts. It's a part of it. You can have all these thoughts. And then when you have that awareness, oh, it's my attention is on the breath. Just bring it back to the breath. And whether you do that for 30 seconds in like a spin zone emergency or five minutes every morning and you, you kind of build up experience with that quiet place or, you know, five minutes twice a day, whatever it is, it's beneficial. I, All I of it, every single one. What Ed was saying, um, you know, these things are not happening now. But we react to these things that we're worried about as if they are happening right now. We're physically reacting because of a fear that we have in the future that may or may not even happen or something that happened in the past or whatever. We're reacting to the thoughts in our head. Mm-hmm. So this is an opportunity to remember that they are not happening right now. Yeah. And that this is what reality is, is that for right now we're in front of microphones in a plush uh, study environment recording a podcast. And Mm -hmm. if you're listening at home, you might be, you know, using your shake weight or I'm looking at a shake weight. Um, Is that an Arabic term? (laughs) Yes. Okay. First appeared in the Upanishads. Mm. I've never used Upanishads. Uh, You did great. it's It's an ancient Hindu text. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. 
that I, on my back. <laughs> I am going to learn more about that. I'm going to I'm going to ask you questions. It's sitting about right that. next to the Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm. There's no need to shout. <laughs> I don't understand why there's shouting going on. Um, I was going to take my medication on the air. No, I. Uh, <laughs> that would be very par-esque. It would be. Um, I par-esque. <laughs> he was always taking meds on that show. And that's where the word meditation comes mm-hmm. from. Oh, it's like an internal medicine. It is. It is actually often the same word. I didn't really realize that, Medi- but I thought it is from Medi. Medi- yeah. Medi. Um, I don't know what I want to say to you, but I'm very uh, drawn to you. No. Um, <laughs> I, no Which one I think, did you mean? I think, I don't know. I, don't know. I'm lo- I, I feel like now. this date is going well. He was looking at the bottle of water. <laughs> oh. That's where all the answers are, my friend. <laughs> the Medi Medication Meditate. Yeah. yeah. Never in but no, yeah. But no, this, 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 this. Medivac. Mm. Could happen. Manny Petty. Could happen. But this, but this, uh, <laughs> the, but the, but this thing of the, of the going back to the, to the breathing, my thing is that I am fine when I close my eyes. Mm-hmm. My problem begins when I open them. Mm. So I really, and I really have that, that thing of like, wow, it just felt so good internally. Mm. And now uh, I open my eyes and I don't know what I, you know, whatever I see. So it's kind of funny to me uh, because uh, it's hard to go around with your eyes closed the whole time. Although I do have a friend who teaches meditation. That's an old form of meditation where you do not close your eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what it's called. So, so Jen meditation. meditation. Uh, so Jen. Um, I love her. Uh, like it's like it's like alcohol, but not really. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's like soju humor. Korean Korean vodka, kind of. Yeah, it's delicious. I, I love soju humor so much. I, you know, she was really good before she started doing that stuff on Twitter. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, so Jen. So Jen. Well, but uh, yeah, so interesting. But but it's such a it's always a, it's always available. This is what you hear people say all the time, and you, it doesn't register half the time. But it's all it's something that you can do. And you don't have to do it well. Just see what the see what happens. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think even just there's no doing it well or not doing it well. No, it doesn't matter. And I don't mean to sound like Yoda. I just mean like there's nothing to be good at with meditation. And I I I sort of I have so many peeves about how it's um you should how people what people have been told about it because it's like. I, I, when it's written about people like, and it's hard, it's hard to close your eyes. It's not, it's really, no, it's, it's literally not hard to close your eyes. It's, it's, you know, or, oh, letting go. It's like, no, you just close your eyes and don't, don't be on Facebook for a second. Like it's actually not, and it feels good and it's immediate results. And, um, I like the idea of calling these short, like little micro meditations. Like, I just like the idea of like, oh, I'm just going to get a little micro meditation. Every time you meditate, you're healing the body. Because it's part, it's, it can be part of your life instead of this separate thing of like, hey, on Tuesdays at seven. Well, or practice, or I'll be good at it in ten years, or or people. Even when I teach them and I tell them this ten times, they're you know we're we're in such a results oriented culture or whatever that like if people have like say they do it and they have like a relaxing thing, then sometimes they'll report back, oh, I did it, but it, it wasn't as good. It's like it's still fine. It's still, it's, yeah, it's, everyone is beneficial. It doesn't, it's like, oh, somebody told me this. They were like, um, no, I, I meditated with you and then I was doing it and then they weren't like as deep and I just stopped doing it. It's like, oh, okay. Um, have you ever had a, a difficult night's sleep? 
Oh, yeah. Did you stop sleeping? <laughs> Boom. Boom. No, you didn't. Drop I, the I mic. I love to shame people. Drop what? the mic. No, but it, it's like, it's okay. Like, you can just keep doing it. I am um, going to be as vulnerable as humanly possible. I have to pee so bad. Oh, all and right. I could just wrap this up, but why would I? I'm going to let you two e- either way banter oh. for what will probably be about 90 seconds as I use the restroom. That's impressive. Um, all and right. I, you know, I don't care that the world knows that I I pee. Is there so much? Can you, you can you mic this, Andrew? <laughs> that would be very vulnerable and. Uh, I'm going to go unnecessary. That's fine. I'm going to go walk out. You know out. what? We're, we're going to, we'll just put in the audio later. Yeah. We'll, we'll take the audio later. All I'm right. going to record it. Enjoy your pee. And okay. then I'll pee and then you'll pee. I'm, I already peed. All right. Um, now, today. now I, uh, first of all, Jamie is a very kind, gentle soul. I always get that about him. And that's amazing to me because of the environment that he works in. Ed, what's the most helpful thing you've learned from your stuff like if you if you were like the one thing i would tell people out of all my years of self-help therapy and books and and whatever can you condense it down to like a well, you've thought got, or a concept well, or you've a, got some nerve lady no me. um but the, but this is this is the things that i'm resisting mm-hmm. to welcome them oh so one day I was walking down the street and I started to obsess. And one day mm-hmm. I started to obsess and worry about, about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I said to myself, boy, you seem like you're really worried about this thing. I wonder if you could worry more. <laughs> How much can you worry? Mm-hmm. Try to do it more. And then what happened is it started to become absurd and yes. open up. And then it released. So these anything that helps a person release and usually it's expanding in some way or welcoming mm-hmm. that a lot of the stuff that goes on in my head or the pain that has gone on in my life has been experienced by me because I have resisted something mm. because I'm pressing against it or I don't think it's okay or I don't think I'm okay, whatever. So just by welcoming, identifying it, saying, Oh, look at what I'm doing. Can I even inviting it to do more? It drops away. And that is the first time other than like therapy where I felt like, oh, if this is something that I can make a choice about mm-hmm. in the moment, and it actually changes my changes how I feel, mm-hmm. changes my state. So that's been one of the biggest things: welcoming uh, instead of resisting. I like that. Yeah. I the Buddhists say that like, um, if you're if the thing you're most afraid of happens, celebrate. Like you, there's nothing to be afraid of anymore. Yeah. yeah. And um, I like that. Also. I think of it in terms of like before I meditated, I only had identity with my thoughts. And it's in our language. I am sad as opposed to like, I feel sad. Right. So um, that's you to me, like not having identity with anxiety and just noticing an anxious thought and then being like, oh, can I, I want, oh, look, I'm worried. Oh, like I'm noticing like how you notice like cars on the highway, good pee. And, or, you know, when you're, in a plane, like you're noticing clouds out the window. It's like, you're just noticing, oh, that's a worry thought. Oh, I'm worrying. Oh, that's interesting. And then like shining a light on it, which, which if you, like you, you're saying, like, if you resist, like what? No, no, I'm not. Then it, then it's a, it's a whole thing. But yeah, I find that very powerful to like, like you stare down your fears kind of like, you're just saying like, oh, what if I did that more? I mean, 
I did a show. Now I want to, now I want to pitch it every week. I want to pitch a new show to you for the improv lab, but I did a show how to hate yourself because it came from me embracing those thoughts and being like, what if someone like taught you how to do those things? Like, like as if learning to hate yourself was an amazing thing. And if there was like a, a, a self-help style person, like really positively speaking, that was like, was like, I'll help you hate yourself. Facebook is a is a great way. Look at Facebook. Your cousin had an epic day. Did you have an epic day? No, you don't live as well. Hate yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, and then to me, I, or like, look, look out the window. Do you see someone with a Tesla? They're better than you. Hate yourself. Cause I love the idea that someone would listen and go, why would I look at a Tesla and hate myself? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Oh, I do that every time I see a Tesla. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I would just notice like, oh, that is what I do. Um, that's how I'm trying the, to heal yeah. the world. Yeah. The patterns. So update, successful P. Okay, good. Good work. Got it all out? Uh, <laughs> well, that's releasing. That goes back around to the releasing <laughs> thing. Because there's a lot of people who are Ed all really... peed up there. Yeah. And um, so we came full circle. We did. We're welcoming and re- welcoming and, re- and, and releasing and having this thing where e- any organism, if it's tight, if it's holding on, it's painful. It gets painful to do that. It's hard work. But if, if you let go and release or make more space, it's just, it just feels differently and it allows the things to go through like the pee and the other things to, to go through. So get to your bathroom, take uh, cleansing breaths. And before we leave this great conversation, I could do this all day and I think we should do it again. Oh, would you guys come back to do it again? Sure. Um, so Ed, where can people find the stuff that you do in the world? Well, they can find it. Uh, there's, and I'll change the title. I just don't like the title, but self-help comedy hour for lack of a better title uh, is on dash radio, which is, is for lack of a better title. Part of the title because no, it's the whole title. That makes me laugh for lack of a better title. <laughs> self-help is comedy the name hour of my, for lack of, for a, better lack of a better title. Uh, Transform a D. Oh, uh, Hugh motion. Oh, okay. Commotion, comedy and emotion. Um, now, I, you know, so that's one thing on Dash, on Dash Radio. And then uh, edkrasnick.com. And then uh, a new solo show coming up very shortly, mm. which I'll tell you about next time I see you. Amazing. Yeah. And Laura? LauraHouse.com. Um, also, t- uh, Twitter, you do the A with like a circle around it. Oh, right. And then I'm Laura House. I am. At? I am Laura. Oh, do you say at? Okay. That, that's something I do. Uh, and this is <laughs> For at, lack of a better. It's that A circle. Uh, and I am also at Laura. No, I'm at Ed Krasnick and edkrasnick.com. After 25 years, a new website in the next two weeks. And I, the, my website was done by Samuel Clemens, not oh, even wow. Mark Twain. Wow. That I'll see you at the premiere. A deep cut. The website premiere. And just, uh, I mean, I'm excited. We haven't really done this on, on a, a big scale, but Laura has been teaching a monthly meditation, free meditation session here in this very room. Yeah. The podcast here at The Improv. I love it. It's been one Sunday a month. We've done it, I think, three times. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do it every month and then schedule got weird. It gets in the yes. way. But we're still experimenting with it. And it's, it's the, the very relaxed, uh, no pressure, uh, but it's, it's meditation for comedians. And mm-hmm. it's. I mean, a lot about what we talked about, you know, meditation gets, it can be the scary thing, especially for comics. Yeah. But I would recommend if you're interested in it, hit us up. 
Yeah. Uh, come on over. Great idea. And I am going to come tomorrow. I'm going to get a babysitter for my, my daughter. I it's, would bring her. She, yeah, she meditates too. It's on Sunday, too. but that's yeah, fine. But What's tomorrow? Saturday. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'll come to the one you know tomorrow. What? You're just in the moment. Yeah. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. I'm in the wrong moment. <laughs> or bring your daughter. <laughs> Maybe I will bring. I've, I actually took her to Christian. Oh. And he, he worked with her. Oh. Yeah. But it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not religious or. Oh, um, it's religious. What? It's a religious oh, experience. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's a mindful meditation. It's just a mindful meditation. But. um, Non-secular, easy. What's going on with you? Mm. Oh, and then an hour later. No, but just update us. What's going on with you? What's In my going- life? Yeah. Just tell me something. Tell oh, us something. Um, you know. It can be anything. I think I'm going to be happy when um, this podcast uh, reaches, you know, more listeners. I think I'll be happier when I, I think I'm getting close to 2,500 Twitter followers. Mm. I think that's when I'm going to be happy. Okay. At Jamie Flam. <laughs> Please contribute to my happiness as a human. Mm-hmm. No, it's good. I, I'm glad you were listening when I was talking about all that stuff that definitely you will be happy when you get 2,500. Yeah, I, I can dollars. feel it. I'm excited yeah, right now. Thinking sure. about it. I refuse gl- to be happy until then. Picked up what I was putting down. I've been on 1,200 for 10 years. What can I say? Of course, I never tweet. Those are loyal people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or bots. Yeah. Bots. You know, a follower is a follower. <laughs> bot or not bot. If robots are following me around, it's cool. All right. Well, um, Thank you for listening to another amazing episode. Thanks, everyone. Take care of yourself. And take care of myself. Take care of yourself. And thank you, Jamie. It's always nice to see you. And thank you, Laura. It's always nice to see you. Andrew. Andrew, you know what's going on. So they're going to come for you and they're going to ask you questions. (laughs) Um, Good night. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Good day to you, ma'am. And my final parting shots. Work on your craft endlessly, be a professional, be undeniable, and be cool as fuck always. For more episodes of Gatekeeper, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me online at jamieflam.com and at jamieflam on Twitter. A very special thanks to the Sideshow Network, the Hollywood Improv, Andrew Stevens, Sean Merrick, Roddy Swearingen, and producer Buddy Peace for the awesome music at the top and end of this episode. And be sure to check out hollywood.improv.com for updates on great new shows coming up in the main room and the lab.